Welcome to the What's Literacy Got to Do With It podcast, a podcast for exploring all things literacy in Quebec and beyond. Literacy is more than knowing how to read and write. It's also about empowering each other and yourself to thrive throughout all aspects of our lives. We're your hosts, Jamie Cudmore and Chris Shee. Let's get to it. Action. Ooh, music this time. <laughs> Intro, Chris. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. I got the nightlife. I got the boogie. How are you, Jamie? I'm great, Chris. Thanks for that like musical <laughs> introduction to what's literally got to do with it. It's uh, season eight, episode three. It is. Wow. We are your host, Jamie Cudmore, Christopher Shee. Mm-hmm. Jamie, we have got a diverse episode for y'all today, haven't we? We got yep, uh, exactly, distinct Chris. guests. Yep. yep. Amazing. We, we truly explore what's literacy got to do with it today with these three mm-hmm. guests on. Um, the theme is the power of your story and making connections and building up skills throughout your life. So we have so many nuggets of wisdom in this episode from our wonderful mm-hmm. guests. We learned about the positive impact of storytelling, about being open to new experiences and experiences of mutually beneficial impact around everyone around you. Mm. And Chris, you said we had distinct guests. So we do. Who are we these do. folks? These folks are, and, and it goes to show literacy mm-hmm. is like when we think about literacy, we think about reading books, right? Like yeah. which is which is a main thing. But you you you'll be so far as to see that it's so it's everything. Like it's it's not just uh, reading books. There's there's so much that literacy yeah. is involved in throughout our lives. And this is what this episode's all about, isn't it? So the guests are Mr. Joseph Fitzmorris, who is a teacher, football coach, and a wrestler. You heard it right, called the Green Phantom. I can't mm. wait for you guys to listen to this episode. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Robinson is the director of programs at ABC Life Literacy, and she talks about money matters. And because November is Financial Literacy Month, so check out that. Uh, looking forward to hearing from Elizabeth and uh, you, of course, Jamie. And then we have Dr. Saida Naib Bukhara, and she's the co-team leader and program coordinator for Telehealth, which is a free service aiming to serve isolated and vulnerable seniors and older adults and their caregivers. It's She's an amazing woman heading up an amazing free program, which is available right now to uh, those those people there. So, Jamie, I guess uh, we're going to launch straight into it, I guess, and, yeah, and uh, introduce exactly. the, the first, uh, the first uh, guest that we have on today. So, uh, yep. As you said, we have uh, a local person from Verdun, Joseph Fitzmorris, who has created fascinating layers to his life and encourages others to do the same. By day, Joseph is a physical education teacher and head football coach. And then by night, entertains wrestling fans by becoming the green phantom. He is known for high aerial and table breaking acrobatics. Whoa. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) This is really exciting. So listen up as Joseph educates us all on how to live a fully thriving life. And maybe we'll learn some wrestling moves along the way. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast we really appreciate your time how you going i'm, I'm pretty good uh, usually people introduce me as green phantom but yeah me as joseph this morning so cheers there you go so am i supposed to introduce you as the green phantom? I, I know I, I mean honestly I, I, i'm fine with either but usually green phantom is like a lot more interesting and he has a lot more uh, fans if you will oh look well well t- tell, tell us all about you know if you just did an introduction to yourself if nobody you know our listeners knew who you were uh, can you tell us a bit about yourself uh you mean joseph or green phantom or both look, uh, i'd like i'd like both actually that would be fantastic <laughs> so uh usually when i'm on podcasts it's usually about Green Phantom and Green Phantom is, uh, is, is, a, is, a, is a wrestler as a Canadian wrestler he's uh, known as the hardcore hero the Canadian table breaker okay. um, he's, uh, he's been all over the United States and Canada I've wrestled as far as, uh, as Ireland and I do refer to him sometimes in the, in the third person because he, he even has a different voice than me Green Phantom talks like this 
and, and he's a pretty angry dude and he uh, goes uh, to many different lengths to uh to beat his opponents including i'm i'm famous for as a hardcore wrestler so i do what you call extreme or ultra violent wrestling sometimes okay. which is uh, uh tables chairs barbed wire fire <laughs> glass thumbtacks these type of things sometimes it gets pretty bloody fire I, if you look on youtube you'll see me fall off a few balconies through some tables stuff like that uh and in montreal actually in quebec it's very very hard to find uh wooden folding tables now they're all plastic because i <laughs> broke them all and i'm not even joking about over, over, my 20, over my 20 plus years of career uh, i've broken so many tables uh, it's just better <laughs> and so uh, i've uh, i'm famous for that I sold t-shirts and stuff uh, around the world mass and Joseph Smore is me. I don't know how I became um, a teacher. I don't know how I became a wrestler, but I mean, I say that only because it wasn't planned, but when I, when I reflect on it, I do, uh, I just kind of went with the flow. So I, I became a teacher when I was 33 or something like that. Uh, I never planned on that. It just, uh, I, I went to, I, I got a degree in, uh, in science and then I did a, few years of doing a zillion different jobs mm -hmm. and then uh, some kind of, somehow uh, one of them was substitute teaching and I was good at it uh, got a couple of contracts and then decided you know I should make this a, a permanent thing uh, so I went back to school for a year and became a teacher a legit teacher if you will but I, I got my credentials. <laughs> and uh, Joseph Morris uh, I, I would say tw 25 years ago if you had told him he'd be a teacher and the rest of would look at you like what the hell is you're, you're, you must be crazy because when I was a kid actually uh, even into my teens even now a little bit it comes through but I, I was I had a re very bad stutter and uh, there's no way I could imagine that I would be speaking in front of people like I said I, I could hardly get a word out as it still comes up comes across sometimes when I'm excited or whatnot maybe or maybe if I have too much to drink it might come out <laughs> and now uh, even tonight um, I, I I'm, I'm a I'm a host of uh, various pub quiz or trivia shows around the city oh, and uh, some of all uh, some some has have referred to me as Alex Quebec because I I, I do so many uh, trivia shows around the, the playoff Alex Trebek okay. and, that, and and tonight I actually host a, a night at Brutopia. So after uh, this podcast, I'll be headed to Brutopia to host a little pub oh, quiz. Hello. And and so if you're not obviously if you're not looking at this vi recorded live video, uh, Joseph's actually sporting a a blue beard and a blue e ELB cap uh, and and a blue uh, football jersey. Is that what I'm seeing there? Uh, it's 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 all blue, but it's funny you said ELB because it's the uh, it's the Expos, but yeah, uh, yeah, all Expos ELB. Yeah, I, of course. Yeah. I, I put an L in there when I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I mean, usually, 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 it's a green getup. I have a green beard and a green shirt and stuff. But uh, for my kids, uh, my my football team, I'm a football coach as well. Uh, we are the uh, LSA Panthers, and their and their color is blue. And we had uh, a big a big game on Friday, a homecoming game. So I decided to switch it up for them. I I painted like. My beard green and uh, uh, blue, sorry. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, and so uh, it was, it was, it was quite a hit. Say. Uh, so I, 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 I'm, I'm keeping it this week because I don't, I don't have a green phantom gig till the next week. So I, I, can, I I'm allowed to be blue. And honestly, I've been waiting to wear all kinds of blue clothes that I, I never wear because it match my green, green beard. So <laughs> it's a week of blue, it's good. Uh, that's magic. And th this is your real beard, isn't it? This, this, this is what is I'm looking at. This is, yeah, this is my real <laughs> Wow. Fantastic. And, uh, and just when you touched, I just wanted to go back to when you said about stuttering and so forth. And how did you overcome that? Like, if you, if you, if that was a challenge in your life, how did, how are you able to sort of beat, beat that and, yeah, and do um, it? Well, for, I, as a kid, I mean, I saw from speech therapists, and then none of them said anything was physically wrong with me, you know, for the most part, I should say. But uh, it was honestly, it was just with time. It was, it was uh, becoming comfortable with my skin, mm -hmm. you know, uh, some sort of subconscious confidence that that slowly kicked in. And then I, I was suddenly like, I was the guy that, that wanted to speak in front of crowds. I wanted the attention, you know, whereas before. Like I said, especially like vowels. Like a, if a sentence starts off with a vowel, I was I was screwed. Mm -hmm. I, I could not get that out. You know, now it's, it's that's what I do for a living on, on many fronts. You know, wow. So it's, it's just kind of getting 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 with the groove. You know, to yeah. some degree. 
And so what, what, what advice would you share with someone, uh, an adult or a grandparent or even a, a child that is, is going through those same challenges? What would you say to them? Um, I, I, don't, I don't want to simplify it, but I will say chill the F out, man. Chill yeah. out. Re- calm, relax. Get, get into your own head. Uh, there's, there's a scene that was very, uh, it spoke to me a lot in that, that uh, movie, uh, The King's Speech, whatever you know, we call it. Colin Furter, he plays the one okay. British royalty who can't speak. Anyways, the trick is uh, once once he was uh, his his ears were blocked and he and, and he was just uh, w- within his own head, he could speak fine. You know, it's when you your body, like I said, that's why I say chill out. Just don't overthink it. You know, and and slow slow life down because really, for the most part, no one's you know uh, timing your sentence. And so just chill out, and uh, eventually. You'll, you'll see that it it comes out it, it wants to come out properly your head is in the way of it you know so just don't don't overthink it and chill out that's, that's my best advice I, i'm not a, i'm not a doctor no sure sure but but you like like you say it's it's a case by case scenario it's not you're not sugarcoating things but you just just chill out and relax and and get out of your own head yeah, you know, and, and, yeah. and have the confidence to know when you're all we're all just people and we're all just trying to get communicate and get our, get our stuff out there. And, uh, and on the smallest scale of wanting to share a sentence with someone. So I, I think a lot of people, the people I've talked to with stuttering, it's just, it's like a, a kind of a panic. Like it's a quick panic overthinking that, you know, you, and then you end up stuttering instead of just speaking. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that too, for sure. You know, if I'm starting to stutter and my brain's going too quick, I just need to chill out or take a breath and go, uh, you know. Um, that's awesome, Joseph. Hey, just wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Obviously, you know, being a wrestler as well, is you, you got to keep physically fit and so forth. I mean, is your is your regime advice in, in everything that you're doing? Do you do you have a, a training regime that you that you stick to, uh, or you you know you're involved with PE and your your players as well? Are you involved in keeping fit with them? Um, uh, I'm I'm a very uh, as a teacher I'm a very model oriented teacher. So yes, uh, usually when I'm when I'm having exercises, like I'll, I'll always start off my classes with uh, some calisthenics. We're good. 10 minutes or something and I'm, I'm i'm doing that all the time with them for the most part okay uh, i think kids really respect the model model aspect of it you know and as far as a training regime goes well i'm uh, i'm 45 years old and um so i feel that in order to keep my my elite level of athleticism i need to be super busy like i, I play rugby for we actually practice here in verdun for the montreal irish uh, we're the, probably the best team in Quebec, and and a lot of guys I'm playing now, just like in wrestling, are, are half my age. You know, so I, I really got to keep on top of that uh, physical wellness in order to survive. You know, because <laughs> it it really is. It's become I feel like sometimes becoming a, a really young man's game, but only but 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 really only because I'm getting older. You know, <laughs> but, uh, but and and maybe in the wrestling world, some might be tired of seeing me, but. Uh, I, I, I feel like it, if I keep this level of athleticism uh, going, I think I, I, I can go for almost ever. And, and this, uh, this pandemic um, made me have to uh, reevaluate and reinvent and evolve uh, my green phantom. So uh, in order in doing that, uh, I got a cape and a shape. Uh, so I got this now. I now if you look at my Instagram or whatever, like I have abs. I'm like I'm like you know really you do. I'm really well put together. Where I, I I never had that before, you know. So I just I just had to get serious about uh, you know knowing that a, a man in his 40s should most people most men in their 40s aren't doing this type of thing. Uh, so I need to protect that and protect myself, and and part of that is. Uh, is growing and becoming stronger and, and you know but by being in better shape i'm safer and, yeah. right that's that's good advice and, and i'm sure you know we could get into it but nutrition comes into play and and you know, decisions around what what you're putting into your body to to get those abs as well is probably in there somewhere but um, but also i would say enjoy yourself because i still you know 
I, I pick. I, I like pick a day or two a week to chow down on burgers and pizza and shakes and chocolate, yeah, sure. and whatnot. You know, You'll, you you only live once. <laughs> yeah, you gotta gotta have those those cheat days in there for sure. Otherwise, you just uh, it just doesn't doesn't work long term, does it? Hey, another question I had for you, Joseph, is it? So growing up as a teacher, when we were just kids, right? We're just teachers. All right. Yeah. We never thought that that you had a life outside of being a teacher. And so your your students, um, I read in the article that they know that you're a wrestler by night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I, I find, I'm just uh, thinking a lot kind of now too, like I find it teaching, I mean, it's, it's super noble and, and you know, uh, it's a profession that, you know, sometimes you, you, a lot of times you have to be taught how, how to teach. Uh, but it goes the other way too, like uh, other people are teachers, also without being teachers you know mm. so uh, yes I, I i'm a i'm a teacher but i'm also a wrestler and a host and whatever else i do in life i think a lot of other people are whatever they are but they're also teachers you know uh just um you know people people affect other people in many ways and that's that's how they are teachers uh sorry i i, yeah. I totally went off uh, no went but but it's thing. but it's what but it's like what we talked about before the podcast uh, was that that literacy is more than just reading and writing yeah. and so forth like that. Yeah. And you said about teaching people without being a teacher. I mean, there's influence there and there's, yeah. there's different examples. And, yeah. and like, and, and like, I, I don't, I mean, I, I used to be a science teacher, but now I'm, I'm more in the phys ed uh, specifically. I'm a, I'm a weight training uh, teacher and, and a football concentration teacher. So at my school, you can't take regular phys ed. But there's also just uh, some weightlifting concentrations and football concentrations, and like that's what I take care of. So the only uh, physical education group I actually have, like pure phys ed, if you will, is uh, the spec ed group, and that's it. So even more so, the, the literacy uh, within my classroom uh, in italics there is uh, is very physical. You know, uh, it's like watch this. You know, uh, and also b- b- before every class, I try to have a, like a motivational speech, you know, to get the, the kids riled up for their upcoming workout and stuff. And uh, I found that during COVID when uh, especially a lot of our classes were online, I, I, it's another way I had to evolve. I couldn't just, you know, say hi to class, or whatever. I was just this head on the screen like I am now. And I had to get the kids, you know, engaged somehow. So I really... I became a, a motivational speaker even these days, which is uh, I'm, I'm I'm pretty proud of myself actually. <laughs> hey, so you should be. That that's fantastic. And like you say, I mean, we, we like you're in Verdun, we're in Verdun. We could have probably caught up and had a face to face, which probably would yeah, have been yeah. better. But uh, this is the next best thing, and you know, being on a Zoom call together. But uh, um, but yeah, you're right. That that modeling that being showing the way and the motivational um communication that, that's all to do with literacy as well it's it's uh it's not just the written and writing words that we spoke about so um we resonate with that it, just on the, the off, off subject as well do do your students do they ever come to your wrestling matches at all it's only happened a few times where active students have uh, usually it's always former students that, okay. that come perfect um Part of that, part of that is because uh, a lot of the shows I do in the city are uh, over eighteen. I think they're at bars and whatnot. Of course, yeah. Although my next few uh, are at the M Telus. We we sold that out last month. It was pretty cool. And if anyone's listening, it is all ages, so feel free to go. Fantastic. Uh, but but yeah, they, 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 like kids know about it. Uh, they all actually most kids, like the ones I'm I'm closer with, they will call me Mister Phantom or. Maybe even just phantom, you know, and, and I'm, I'm 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 cool with that, you know. I'm, you know, it's it, and I'll I'll walk down the hallways, and some teachers actually don't really like it because you know I'll often be walking down the hallways, and you know, class is going on, and you'll I'll just hear like phantom, we phantom, we phantom, you know. <laughs> so like I, I, just by walking by other classes, sometimes I can disturb them. It's, this is, these are the the the, uh, the the troubles with being popular. <laughs> that's it. Someone's got to do it. I mean, that's that's awesome though. I mean, I guess a teacher. Hopefully, they understand. But I, I remember you saying in the CBC article that some some of your colleagues look at you maybe sideways a little bit and say, "Hey, like you know, you know what what's going on here?" But uh, have you have you ever rocked up, uh, you know, with a black eye or something like? Yeah, that? Yeah, a bunch. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe twenty <laughs> times just this. 
with uh, cocked an elbow or something. <laughs> some nicks and bangs here, yeah. Um, you know, but uh, again, I think it, uh, like you said before, it it kind of adds as layers. You know, it it shows that hey, he was actually doing something this weekend. You know, it's like physical evidence of uh, of having done stuff <laughs> for on the yeah. weekend. Leading by example, I love mm. it. And and now tell me your backyard. Is is that you as an artist that, that you did that or did you get other people to come in and, and create your shrine in your backyard? Is that is that your doing? Uh, it was a bit of both. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a very skilled uh, uh, painter with uh, spray spray cans, but uh, I have some buddies and, and who have who have other friends and all together. Uh, they it was it was a process over a year to transform that backyard and I, I I was able to paint some of the backgrounds but for the most part uh, it was uh, what we call the LTG crew they're uh, graffiti right. uh, they're graffiti artists in Montreal and uh, at least one of them is a really good friend of mine and uh, we just uh, I just envisioned from my from my building because it's this back alley here in Verdun uh, you guys are welcome to come check it out just walk by the the alley between. Uh, uh, Regina and Strathmore uh, and Joseph and Verdun Avenue. And then you'll come up upon this building, which is it's painted like a, like a forest, like a birch forest all the way up. And there's birds in there. And then around the corner, there is a little wrestling park, with Green Phantom and whatnot. It's, uh, it's really, it's really dope as the kids say. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, we'll have to get either get you to send some photos or we'll, we'll head around there and actually take a few photos, maybe uh, in front of it so we can we can uh, you know get get people up uh, here at the office to see that that'd be fantastic yeah um, sure you should definitely take, take yeah. a walk yeah i will yep yep i guess uh, i know i know you've got somewhere else to be after this uh, uh, podcast called joseph so i won't i won't um a couple more questions and then i'll let you go okay, um, brother. how about uh, tell us a little bit about your dogs i know you've got uh, uh, then the name of your dogs you just uh, introduced at the, they're beautiful Dalmatians, are they? Yeah, they're, that's uh, Harvey and Mona are uh, little angels uh, that inhabit my, my living space as well. And um, yeah, they're just fantastic. Uh, you know, I, as, I, as I mentioned before, if, if you check out my Instagram, you'll see Harvey dressed up kind of as Green Phantoms or uh, sidekick there. Yeah, I, I've always had Dalmatians as a kid, like my parents always, always had one, so... I like the uh, I like the company of dogs. They're uh, they're loyal and soft. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Joseph, I guess any any final thoughts before you get a you got to go? Is, is anything you want to leave the audience with a bit of advice or or anything that you want to you know sort of wrap things up with today? I'm not sure what to say about that, but uh, I will say um, let's say um, do do what you love, and and if you can't do necessarily what you love try anyway you know what i mean like you might not uh you, you might not super enjoy your your nine to five or whatever plan what seems to whatever's fat, fat, fat fallen into your lap in life mm -hmm. uh, but always try to do something you you love on the side or something um everyone needs a, an, an artistic uh outlet everyone needs an outlet of some sort i would i think more people would be happier if they did do pursue something on the side whatever whatever that is just do something uh, that makes you happy and you it, it's surprising how that bleeds into the rest of your life you know when you when, when you're inspired off air or off camera or off job uh it really bleeds into the rest of your life and you know i i would i would like to impart on even all my students everyone do something you know just just do something, man, uh, and you, you'll be a happier person, a healthier person for it. So, That's fantastic. <laughs> hey, I'm fired up. That's fantastic. I mean, I, I really resonate with that, uh, Joseph, man. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. And, and uh, you know, I think that's a, a super, super uh, bit of advice to end end the uh, the podcast on. And, and I'm uh, glad you think so because because yeah. I, I, I do so many things just for the, just to just to pursue and get happy and you know expose myself to new things. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's probably studied bunch of studies on on that particular subject that you just said about being creative and and pushing yourself to do something creative outside of your nine to five or whatever it is that you you know maybe do for a living. Uh, mm. And like you say, it bleeds into other areas of your life that mm. that can only be a positive thing for 
for your life even outside and, of what you're doing. And, and sometimes with me, I literally bleed into other aspects <laughs> of my life. <laughs> you, you certainly do, absolutely. On a on a Monday morning, coming into work with a little bit of a little bit of a, a, a blood blister. <laughs> and gr- 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 Greed Phantom's slogan is is "Get with the green." He says, "Get with the green." Because green is the color of growth and green is the color of future, baby. So get on that growth and future train because exactly. life ain't holding back for you. So and when, get you get the green, a, when you get go, to go, a red go. stop light, that's it. You want you want that green light, man. Go, go, go. Green light, baby. So, hey, so, so make sure you, you give your life the green light. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I know you got to go. So have a great evening at your, uh, at your next gig and, and we'll uh, hopefully get you on again. At a, at a later stage, I, I, I pretty much any pretty much any any time, brother. Sorry, I'm kind of cut for time here, but uh, any time. And uh, all you out there, whoever uh, people listen, follow Green Phantom on uh, on on Instagram and Facebook, and uh, come bet. come 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 check me out anytime, and Absolutely. and come check out my backyard. Sure. Absolutely, we'll put all the links in in our description for for all of your pages and uh, all your gigs, and uh, definitely come and see your backyard sometime soon in Verdun. Cool, cool man. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, mate. Thank you. All right. So November is Financial Literacy Month. And here at LQ, we think it's important to discuss year round. We think this financial literacy thing is so important that not just in November, we want to we want to discuss it every month of the year. So to help us do this, we are joined today by Elizabeth Robinson, the Director of Programs at ABC Life Literacy. Elizabeth talks about Money Matters. And Money Matters is a free introductory financial literacy program that ABC's workbooks are used in the classroom from across Canada. They are full of learning activities that can be adapted to the needs of individual groups. Workshops can be delivered by the staff of the group delivering the program or with the optional support of local TD Bank Group volunteer tutors. So welcome to the podcast, Elizabeth. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Elizabeth Robinson is from ABC Life Literacy Canada. We're going to talk to you today about Money Matters. Elizabeth, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to talk about your role and what is ABC Life Literacy Canada? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me today. So ABC Life Literacy Canada is one of two national literacy organizations in Canada, and we're really focused on strengthening organizations that promote adult learning, uh, primarily through developing and supporting the use of high quality introductory learning materials and resources written in clear language. So in my role as as director of programs, um, I spend a lot of time sort of thinking about uh, what is it that practitioners are looking for? How can we meet their needs? What resources, materials, training can we offer that will make their lives easier and allow them to better meet the needs of the learners that they work with? Great, thanks. So in November, we just passed a financial literacy month, but here we we think that it's important to talk about financial literacy all the time, especially as we're going into the holidays and people are buying gifts and then we're getting into tax season soon. So this is going to be on a lot of people's minds. There's a lot of talk in the news about inflation and, and what that means for things like groceries. So why does money matter? So I think it's an interesting question because I think most people would agree, even without thinking about it too much, that money does matter. It plays such a huge role in our lives. And it's something that is really a daily point of concern for a lot of people. So um, recent statistics suggest that four in 10 Canadians think or worry about their money every single day. Um, and so something that's that big a point of, uh, of concern, of conversation and of worry in people's life has to be something that matters. A third of low-income Canadians report that they worry about money almost constantly. Um, So part of the reason that we're interested in financial literacy is because we know it's what people are worried about. It's what their minds are focused on. I mean, certainly going into the sort of the end of the year and thinking, like you said, about holidays and extra expenses and tax season coming up. But I think just the sort of the day-to-day struggles of how do I keep my household running? How do I pay my bills? You know, am I saving enough? Am I doing things right? Have I made mistakes? Um, and so that that motivates a lot of what we're doing. I think money and financial matters in particular are, are hard because they are sort of at the intersection of two things that most people don't like to think about. So one is sort of thinking about the future <laughs> um, 
and the parts of it that you feel like you can't control, which is emotional and heavy and can be exhausting for everyone. And then math skills, um, which is also a big part of money management and something that so many people struggle with and feel uncomfortable and doubt themselves. So um, when you try to combine two things that cause a lot of anxiety, it can be really, really tough. Um, and so we want to sort of address that head on and be aware that these are things that people are concerned about, that there's worries, that there's fears. Um, but they don't have to live that way, that you can sort of embrace a more positive attitude and yet you can learn and you can grow your financial skills. I love what you're saying here. It's so striking to me, those stats that so many people have this on their mind and yet uh, financial literacy skills, they're, they're kind of hard to get or to know. It seems like something that uh, I should already know as an adult. And so I, as you're saying, I myself get kind of insecure about uh, asking these kind of questions because it's something I feel like I should already know. It can be stressful thinking ahead. And so it's, I, I find that it's easy to kind of push it aside and then it kind of builds until it's something that I actually really need to address. And so it's really great to hear about programs like Money Matters to find out where you can get some skills. So why don't you talk about the program a little bit? When did it start? And I think you talked a little, you're addressing why it was developed, but maybe you can dig a little deeper into that. Sure. So we've been running the Money Matters program for about 11 years now um, in partnership with our lead funder, TD Bank. And the thinking was really about the fact that, um, you know, stress and concern about money is something that most people face. Um, and it's something that adult learners that we all work with face on a regular basis. And so we, we wanted to do something to help people, but we recognize that a lot of literacy practitioners who work with those adults, they might themselves not feel super comfortable um, addressing these issues or view themselves as enough of a financial expert to really be leading a course on sort of thinking through banking and savings and debt. And so we wanted to create some materials that would sort of help bridge that gap. And so the, the program offers a few different things to literacy practitioners to help them feel more comfortable offering financial literacy training to learners they work with. So one thing is a set of pre-written workbooks. Um, so these have information and activities and discussion questions already built in. So if you're not sure how to start the conversation or what topics people might be interested in or what questions to ask or where to find good facts, all of that is laid out in the workbook for you. Um, the second thing is we have a, an online training. So this is um, where people can go and sort of just get some basic tips on what is it like to work with adult learners? What are some of the struggles that are common for low-income Canadians? And just sort of thinking through that. Um, and we've also divided the curriculum up for three distinct audiences, knowing that, you know, the information and the life experience that you have coming in is not the same for all learners. So we have sort of a curriculum for general adult learners, one for Indigenous peoples, and then a third one uh, for people with diverse abilities that um, uh, targets Canadians with intellectual and developmental challenges. And so that allows us to sort of better meet people where they're at in terms of the content that's of interest to them and relevant to their lives. And then the final piece that we offer is actually uh, through our partnership with TD, the opportunity for you to have um, a TD Bank employee come and facilitate the workshops for you as a volunteer. And we find that this has been really helpful. One, because um, if you're worried about getting questions in the workshop that you can't answer, this is good news. There's a person here who has a lot more experience in the banking industry who can, who can help with some of those things and point people in the direction of right information. And second, because for people who are unbanked or have had previous negative experiences in banks, being able to talk to someone who works at a bank can really help um, address some of those fears and concerns. So it can make them understand the sort of the choices that they have, um, you know, what to do if they're in a bank and they feel uncomfortable or if something is going awry or they feel like they're being pressured into something that they don't want, uh, being able to talk to those questions specifically for someone who works in that environment can be, uh, it can really set your mind at ease and build confidence about walking into those situations again in the future. I love uh, this idea that we're all learners. So uh, you brought up the point that maybe you're a person who provides literacy services, uh, but you're not necessarily an expert in the field. And so you're addressing that, but you're also recognizing there's different needs of different people, but then also ways of addressing some concerns by having an expert who works in a bank come in. I think that's really important. How are the programs delivered? So is it online? Can you do some self-directed? Is it in person? How does that work? 
So um, as with every organization, we've been learning and trying new things as a result of the pandemic. So we have a sort of wide array of program delivery that we're offering right now. So there's um, the workbooks exist either, either as a PDF download or as a physical copy. So if you're comfortable meeting in person and you want to distribute those and sort of run through a sort of standard, what you might think of as a classroom experience workshop, that's possible. We have a lot of organizations that have been running workshops via Zoom um, or Facebook Live or other kind of channels for learners who feel comfortable meeting online. Um, we've also developed a new online resource called the ABC Skills Hub, which is available at abcskillshub.ca. Um, and our four core Money Matters workbooks on um, banking, saving, uh, spending plans, and borrowing money are available there as sort of self-directed online content. So if you're looking to improve your financial literacy skills, but uncomfortable with the idea of talking about money with others in a group environment, or um, if you're struggling to find the time to fit it into your busy schedule, that might be a good option for you. I think that's really great to hear about the, the different ways in which a person can access this information, because as you're saying, it can be a matter of your comfort or your time or your resources or, or a whole bunch of different factors coming together. So that makes it very accessible to have these different formats that you can reach out to um, a literacy service provider or go yourself online to, to uh, your website. We'll put the, the link into our show notes so that uh, anyone listening can grab that easily right here on the podcast. Do you have any stories you want to share about the program or any of the work that you do uh, to help our listeners kind of think about or or hear some experiences that uh, you've seen or had yourself? I mean, there's there's a lot to say from from 10 years of running the program. I I think um, the things that come to mind maybe are the most recent ones. So um, one of the things that we've been thinking about really in conversation with the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada and their new um, uh, financial strategy for Canada is uh, how it's increasingly difficult to access financial services if you're not online. So there's the assumption on the part of a lot of banks that if you're setting up a new bank account, you're doing that on the internet, that that's where you're paying your bills, that's where you're getting information about um, your bank accounts, all of these kinds of things. And so that's something that we're really concerned about because as I'm sure your audience is well aware, um, a lot of the learners that we work with Uh, don't have access to good internet connection or devices, or they just don't have um, the skills and training to feel comfortable accessing things online. So we've been thinking a lot about how can we sort of bridge that gap and bring people to a place where like they're comfortable sort of, you know, logging into a bank account online, looking at their things, um, figuring out how to pay their bills. Um, So we piloted a sort of a new version that's aimed at Uh, sort of a workshop aimed at people who are hesitant to go online and have questions and concerns about um, financial information and dealing with that in the internet, because I think there's a lot of people who are still really worried about safety. And we had a a learner who went through that course and reported afterwards that she went online for the first time to pay her bills um, by herself without needing help, you know, from someone else. And what a, what an empowering experience that was for her to feel this freedom that like, I don't need help. I can do this on my own. Amazing to hear. Um, you were saying that there is a fear, and uh, actually, what you're bringing up also about the digital divide of of people who don't actually have access to the internet, uh, or who don't have uh, skills, or who are are worried. Um, that's really important, and that's been really prevalent during, especially the pandemic, when there was the assumption that it's easy just to go online. And a lot of banks had reduced their hours, so it was hard to get into a bank physically or even on the phone. It can be a bit of a challenge um, if you don't have information in front of you. We've talked to some people who talk about media literacy. So Media Smarts is one of organization that does a lot of work mm-hmm. around this. And uh, there's a lot of fear, and rightfully so, I think, because you have to wade through some email or a call that's popping up that's saying, you're going to be in trouble if you don't contact us. We're from the government. We're from your bank. You're being scam, click this link. So there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of potential for of your information to be taken. But I think what you're saying is that having these skills and, uh, and attending workshops like yours can bring some really positive, powerful moments like that person you were just talking about who, who just paid a bill online and felt very empowered. So it's really important to weigh these things, but also be aware of, of where the gaps are. So that's, that's a great story to share. Yeah. And, and really that, that, 
confidence building is at the core of what we're trying to do. I mean, financial literacy training isn't going to solve everyone's money problems because a lot of it has to do with struggles to find income and to meet expenses. And all the literacy training in the world isn't going to solve that problem. But having the confidence to understand your own finances, to be aware of information, um, to know that you're not alone struggling with these problems is a big step forward. And it can help reduce some of um, the sort of emotional stress um, that this causes for people. Um, it's interesting how many people um, encounter these kind of phone scams and email scams that you're talking about and are confused and are not sure. And then there's a kind of shame associated with that because you don't necessarily want to admit that you weren't sure if it was real or not or that you got scammed or that you couldn't tell the difference. Um, but you get a bunch of people in a room or a Zoom call together and you realize like, oh, it's not just me. Everyone, everyone else is struggling with this too. You know, it's really hard to tell. And, and sometimes these, these fake emails look really sincere and serious. Um, and so being able to share those experiences with others and sort of talk through, you know, what did you do and what happened and how did you solve the problem, um, you know, when it escalated and these kinds of things, um, I think can make people feel like they're not alone. Um, they're not the only one who's worried about this. And that there are places they can go for help when they're worried or confused. You bring up so many good points in this conversation. I like that you're saying that it's not, it's not only an individual problem. So uh, as you're saying, building that financial skills isn't going to solve uh, necessarily some uh, structural problems we have in Canada with income disparity and, and gaps and wealth, but having confidence in your skills to, to understand a little bit better about your own situation and what you can do, and then also relying on others around you to share experiences and to share knowledge is so, so crucial, I think. Um, so it's important to have programs like uh, Money Matters and also organizations like yours to help uh, people come together and uh, gain confidence um, in working with each other and also and, and being able to navigate everyday challenges that come up. Thank you for all of your thoughts. Well, I would say one other thing that we've been excited about over the last year or so is that we've been working um, in Quebec in particular with an organization called Youth Employment Services um, that offer sort of skills training and financial training to, to young adults. Um, and they've been running um, the Money Matters program, um, which we're super excited about because, you know, so the earlier in life you're exposed to this and get this information, the more you have a chance for it to sort of take root, to grow, um, to recognize yourself as someone who can uh, develop these skills and can learn more. So we're really excited to see um, that partnership and the way that it's impacting the the youth there who are sort of learning about, you know, making a budget for the first time and thinking about credit card options and those kinds of things as they prepare for their future. Um, so that's something that we're we're really keen keen on and excited to be working with them. And then I would say we're we're sort of always looking for what the needs are. So if you're working with learners and you see that they are having uh, financial questions or they're coming to you with problems or concerns and you're struggling with uh, what to tell them or where to send them, um, please get in touch. I'm always eager to hear about what we can do more to help and sort of where the, the sort of needs on the ground really are. You can leave some links and, and yep. my information in the show notes and I'm happy to have people get in touch. Great. Thanks so much. I just want to thank you again for coming on. And uh, it's been such a valuable conversation. You've brought up so many good points and also let us know about this fantastic program that has many options for people to access information and to build up some of that confidence that you're talking about while working with others and, and not feeling so alone or maybe working on breaking some of that shame and, and insecurity around uh, financial skills, understanding what's happening in your own, in your own life, but also so uh, reaching out to others to, to find out more information. Do you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with? Just uh, the reminder that uh, thinking about money is hard and stressful for everyone. So if you're feeling worried or concerned about that in your own life or in the lives of people that you work with, know that you're not alone and that you don't have to live in this world of stress, that there are ways to learn more and to grow. And and if you're trying to learn and grow, if this is an area of improvement for you, you're not alone. There are lots of people out there with you who feel uncomfortable with their financial skills and want to know more. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thank you.
Up next, our last special guest is Dr. Saida Naib Bukhari, team co-lead and program coordinator for telehealth, a free service aiming to serve isolated and vulnerable seniors and older adults with mental health or cognitive issues and their caregivers. Telehealth provides friendly phone calls once or twice a week from trained volunteers to older adults and caregivers. The friendly telehealth calls are to inquire about general well-being, giving information about COVID-19, asking if seniors need any help or support, for example, any food delivery, medication from their pharmacy delivery, connecting seniors with community organization offering other services, or just talking and giving friendly company on the phone to increase a sense of connection. Listen to Dr. Saida Naib Bakari as she shares some of the challenges and success stories telehealth is having, plus how you could become a life-changing volunteer. All right. So, Saida from Telehealth, how are you going? Great to have you on the show. Are you in Montreal at the moment? Yes, I am in Montreal. That's right. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, we're going to talk about telehealth today and we're going to include the information for telehealth in our show notes and where people can access telehealth. But can you just give us a broad overview of what telehealth is and, and why you created telehealth? Well, the concept is not new. It's an old concept. And we have seen actually in the developing world, it has been used um, in, in several countries, for example, in different African countries where, you know, uh, the health services, the concept has that you use different kind of technology to create the access and outreach of, you know, um, of, of different people to health services. Um, in our context, specifically last year when COVID hit and uh, we knew that there were stricter uh, SOPs, especially isolating people and more specifically asking seniors, older adults to self-isolate, um, we knew that they would need access to services, specifically health services, social services and other kind of services. And because of these SOPs, of course, uh, how would they do it? And we also knew that not all of them are digitally equipped uh, to use different devices and different technologies. Um, So we realized that we have to come up with the solution, which is part of telehealth, but then it has to be really simple, accessible, inexpensive way and faster way. So our telehealth model was based because of the needs of this population was based on use of telephone, which is something very basic and very simple in this day and age. So yeah, our telehealth focus was connecting with seniors and they could also connect with other services through using their telephone, you know, simple, ordinary telephones, not even digital or smartphones. Yeah, so that was the concept. Okay, great. Not just their cell phones, their mobile phones, but their landlines. Uh, so how does it work? So someone from telehealth will will contact the the person that they're wanting services or or breaking the isolation. So it's a it's a weekly call or it's a biweekly call. How, how does it work exactly? So we are a research lab, and what we do, we work with the. We work with older adults and specifically our focus is mental health issues uh, among seniors and how they and we see different kind of we offer different kind of programs um, in research setting to see what are the impacts and how people seniors respond to these programs. Um, One of the things that we have realized as researchers is that social isolation is something that even if you take out this COVID aspect is something that most Uh, seniors face in their late life um, of having this social isolation and not having access to other people or their social networks. What we did actually this, we started this and because of the COVID, because this was a COVID response program, our model was that we would uh, recruit volunteers. And of course, the volunteers would go through a very strict scrutiny and screening process where because this is a vulnerable population and we wanted to make sure that they have, we are connecting them with the right kind of people. So there would be a screening process. And then uh, people who would be selected as volunteers in batches, they would go for training. So it's not that they are hired, recruited, and they go, they're connected. No, it's not. There's a there's a training component attached to it. And there's this is 
a customized training program for our volunteers to prepare them to talk to these seniors. In this, Chris, I would tell you something interesting that when we we have we receive clients, and by clients I mean seniors with different uh, level of needs, and because some could be struggling with mental health issues, other might have really mild issues, and some might just need a phone call. That's it. They are they don't have any uh, health issues, mental health issues, but they just want a social connection. Okay. So what we did, we did a color coding to kind of, you know, uh, classify needs of the clients. Okay. So for example, code red would mean that a client with more complex, you know, uh, needs, whereas sure. green would be someone who just need a social connection. And then orange or yellow is someone who is in the center of these two. Um and we did the same thing with our volunteers. When we recruit them, we do color coding for them also based on their level of experience and level of knowledge. Okay. And have you found the color coordination for your volunteers as well as internally with telehealth working well with the visual aspect of, of the color coordination? It actually worked very well because we have uh, the clients that we have received um, come to us either directly or they're referred to us by clinicians or they come to us through our community partners. And we realized that this color code coding was needed because sometimes, for example, a community partner will tell us that, look, here is this client and this client has this specific need. And we would know that for this kind of need, we need someone who has code red um, as a volunteer, our training, our trainings provide uh, some basic tools, but then of course the experience and knowledge of the volunteer also kind of you know enhances their capacity to deal deal with these uh, complex situations and clients. So color coding is something that I think is the unique feature. It has come out as a unique feature of our program. Okay. Fantastic. And are, are you also reaching out to the caregivers? as well or they're, they're a potential client as you say as as to the the seniors or is it is it just mainly specifically for the you know the the 60 plus population that i read on your website or or the the people in need that need to uh to be reached out to this is a very good question and i think i'll tell you what the what the service does and then perhaps it okay. will indirectly order your question and i will of course uh, answer this question also so what we do that once the volunteers are trained they are connected with their clients each volunteer is assigned about 2 to 3 clients and they call them um, every week we request for at least one call per week, but there are some cases where the, the volunteer and client, they become friends and we see that there is more than one call per week. And so the call could be around 30 minutes on average to one hour. Sometimes, you know, there are longer discussions and deeper discussions and both of the, the right. client and the volunteers, they seem to enjoy their discussions. And the objective one, of course, as I said, is to create this social connection uh, providing them some company. But the second and most important thing, Chris, was to connect seniors with resources. For example, in during the first wave and uh, even during the second wave, seniors needed food, medicine, access to transportation, you know, and all this kind of information, but they didn't know where to go. If you're sitting at home and you're stuck and you're isolated from outside world and you don't know how to use digital devices to access information, where to go. So for, for them, this yeah. connection with volunteer was, was useful because the volunteer was trained to provide them information. So for the, for the eligibility criteria, anybody who's 60 plus is eligible to, uh, to enroll and, uh, and benefit from the service. And we actually have many caregivers who, who also are 60 plus and they're providing services or care to people older than them. So yeah, we have, we are providing services to caregivers and also to to clients who are struggling with uh, different issues. Okay. And where do the they hear about telehealth in the first place? How do the elderly people find you or how do, how do the caregivers uh, hear about this this service that you provide? I would like to share with you Chris that we started the service in April 2020 and I'm very proud of my team because COVID came as we know around March and we were able to set up this I would say a very large scale program. Um, and April April was the month when we started, we recruited first batch and we trained them and we started the service. And until today we have 
I've reached out to more than 1,000 clients and we have served more than 750 clients and we have trained more than 250 volunteers out, wow. of, uh, out of which two-thirds are, they come to us from different disciplines and universities as part of their internship requirement. Uh, okay. So we, yeah, so we have also become an official uh, training platform for di- different disciplines and different departments that they, they send their students to us. Um, for this training and connection uh, with the community. Now we do, uh, thank you. And our team actually did um, active outreach. We knew that if we designed this beautiful service, but if people don't know about it, it would be a shame. So we actually did very active outreach uh, and communication publicity campaign where our team went to different community partners, organizations, alliances, collaborations, different tables, and we presented the program. And so I I can safely say that a lot, a lot, a majority of community organizations serving older adults know about our program, and they have been referring their clients to us. Our team also connected with different clinicians in different hospitals and in different CLSEs. We also presented the program to different, uh, you know, for example, SAPA or different social workers and different CLSEs use. And that is how we created. Other than this, we also went to media and media was also very kind to us, you know, kind of learn about our program and let people know. So, yeah, we still to date, we are we are uh, we are receiving referrals. All right. And this is a program that's going to be continuing on, you know, even even during or uh, it's a bit sort of, you know, up in the air as to how, how long it'll be going for, or is it, is it going to continue on sort of um, to an unknown time frame? In the future. Well, there is need. I'll yeah. tell you there is need and there's a research component attached to this program. So we actually did both a, a qualitative, quantitative research to understand the impact of the program on the mental health of our seniors. And okay. we are still, we are doing, we are complete, we have completed the uh, data collection and we are now doing some analysis. Hopefully we'll be publishing the results soon. But the qualitative aspect, we actually talked to our community partners and clinicians and other people. And we realized that there is need and we have, learned that seniors need the service irrespective of COVID situation or not, because the social isolation is going to be there, right? It's not going to go mm. away, even Absol- post-pandemic. Uh, Absolutely. And, and you know, these kind of programs, they depend on funding. So we are actively applying for funding, and we are hopeful that we will, we will have uh, enough funding to make it sustainable. But yes, there is need, I can tell you that. Excellent. Excellent. So can you share with us any success stories? Have you heard along the grapevine of of these success stories of of people, you know, your volunteers reaching out through telehealth to these people? Can you share any any lovely stories that have, you know, really helped people and changed their lives for the better? Yes, I have many stories to tell you, but I can tell you one thing that my... um, our qualitative component of the research where we do interviews with clients and with community partners and with the uh, the volunteers. So I'll tell you a little bit about each of these stakeholders. Of course, clients are very happy and they want the service to be continued, even if the volunteer, for example, one volunteer is um, requested to, to stay in the program for three months. But then uh, some people stay longer, but then they have to leave. But the client asks for, you know, another volunteer to be matched with because they like the service. But we have heard that people become friends. You know, when I do interview with volunteers, they say that this relationship has become more like a friendship relationship. It's like two way. Initially, it started to facilitate and provide social service and social connection to uh, not social service, but social connection to the client. But then it works both ways. Volunteers also say that I found a friend, you know, I enjoy this company of my client. I like, so somebody tells me that music is something that they enjoy a lot. There's one example I'll share with you that we had one client who didn't have any device, no television, nothing um, during the COVID time, and they would feel very isolated. So the volunteer asked them, what is it that could make them happy? And they said that perhaps a radio, you know, some kind of radio could help them. 
And the client actually, the volunteer reached out to us because there's an SOP, right, where you can't directly interact with the client because of, of course, the COVID uh, uh, SOPs. Okay. And we arranged uh, a safe meetup where volunteer actually bought this small radio and the volunteer gifted that radio and it made their day, you know, and the, the client was very happy to receive this uh, radio. And there are several stories, uh, Chris, where people become friends, they share, they share, they share food recipes, they share different ideas, they share stories. And it's like creating linkages. It's also because we have seen we have students mostly coming as interns, so they're younger people. On the right. other hand, we have also this is creating linkages between different generations also. Oh, huge, huge. It's a, I mean, we're we're social beings as much as as much as we love doing the, the sort of technological side of things with the the zoom call or the video call the, the even the just the connection through voice calls and things the good old telephone you know the good old landline uh, not even the, right. the smartphone is so important isn't it for us as social beings if i could if i could yeah. add one more thing quickly that even for our community partners what we have learned from them is that because community partners community workers community based organizations they do wonderful work but during the covid they told us that they were not ready to deal with this mental health issues that their own staff was struggling with because we yeah. are not used to offering services as a virtual service delivery model, right? And this was something that everyone was stressed to adapt as soon as possible. And then there was this uh, rising needs from their clients and they didn't know how to do it. So our community partners, usually they thank us and they appreciate us that we gave them um, the solution and we provided them that bridge and they were able to send their clients to us and uh, for that matter, not only that, we also actually offer training uh, for trainers um, to train our community partners, frontline workers, executive directors, managers, um, about 70, 80 people attended these uh, workshops that we offered throughout uh, last year. And we trained them how we did it so that it is part of knowledge translation. They can also use it when for their virtual delivery model. So that is also our small contribution uh, to strengthen our uh, community partners. That's amazing, Saida. Fantastic work. I mean, is is there anything you want to, any final thoughts you want to leave us with or any uh, any final stories that you'd like to to share before we wrap things up? I really appreciate the collaborations, the friends that we made during this journey. And I think it's nobody can do it alone. I think we did it because we had this community support and we welcome as a research lab. I think our expertise is that we can do, we can pilot different programs and we are open and, and you know, uh, very open and flexible to connect with community partners, even with public uh, health officials to see how we can play our role as a research lab, you know, to find solution for this population to make their lives easy and to make, you know, uh, make them more socially uh, included in the society. So yes, we would be very happy. And I would welcome if you have any um, listeners who would want to enroll to this program, we have a website, telehealthmontreal.ca, uh, and I would welcome them to please go and uh, register yourself and I would welcome you to join our program. All right. Excellent. So, so that website again, could you share that website again? Plus is, is there a phone number that people could call as well? Sure. So the, so the, I will give you the phone number also. Uh, the, e the, the website is www.telehealthmontreal.ca as one word. Okay. And if you go to our website, there is register now or encryption. And in that you can, if you want to register yourself as a senior or you are a care provider, you can also um, register your loved ones. Uh, there's an email address that you can use. And there's a 1-800 number, which is 1-888-688-688-8331. You can call this number and leave a voice message uh, with, you know, name, a phone number and a clear message why you're calling and somebody from our team will call you back. Excellent. Excellent. And, and that's also uh, potential volunteers could also 
reach out and access through the website as well? Very good question. Yes, the website, when you go to register, there's a there's a link for volunteers also. Uh, they have to fill out a form and upload their CV. And yeah, definitely, that is how they can also be part of the program. Well, thank you very much, Saida. I appreciate your time and uh, willingness to get on the program today and share with us this, this wonderful service you're doing. So uh, keep up the great work. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Wow, Jamie, wow. what a huge, amazing oh episode. Gosh. So listen up, we've got some upcoming events. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, we've got some interesting resources in our show notes through the link to Money Matters from ABC Life Literacy off their website. So check out that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And just a reminder, everything that you heard here today, so from telehealth and from the Green Phantom, we're going to put the links to them in our show notes. And for all upcoming literacy events, check out our members' website, our website, LQ's website, and our social media for updates. Special thanks mm-hmm. time. Yeah. <laughs> we better thank all of our I awesome guests. It. Yeah. So thanks to Joseph Fitzmores, the Green Phantom. Check him out on Instagram at mm. Green Phantom514. Who you else, bet. Chris? And thank you to Elizabeth Robinson at ABC Life Literacy and the Money Matters program. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we'll check we'll put that link in, in our show notes. But thank you, Elizabeth, for, for talking with Jamie and uh, sharing all that wonderful information about financial literacy to our, to our listeners. Mm-hmm. Special thanks to Dr. Sayeda Naib Bakuri from Telehealth. And we'll put the Telehealth link in our show notes again. As always, LQ's Peter Morgan. Thanks so much. Our tech person helping with our video and sound quality. Who else, Chris, from LQ? And thank you to Barbara Testa-Gabord for all of our wonderful social media promotion uh, for our podcast. And Jerry Legal for our awesome What's Literacy Got to Do With It theme music, uh, which is a takeoff of What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner. We love it. The whole team from LQ, thank you for all the support and ongoing support for the podcast. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Chris, why don't you tell our listeners what is coming up? It's very exciting. Look out for this massive, massive episode coming out, which is going to be uh, episode four of this season. And uh, we have some... Very special guests coming all the way from the land down under in Australia. So we got actually a a wonderful chance to interview the host and literacy experts for a three episode TV series called Lost for Words, which, which actually films adult learners on a nine week intensive literacy course and captured all of their ups and downs and their graduation from the literacy course. It's an amazing television series and we're actually trying to have it streamed here in Quebec. So you guys need to stay tuned. So hopefully we can get it screened in Canada. And so please look out for this next episode. It's going to be amazing. So you can get the inside scoop on on Lost for Words. And uh, we've also included a little bit of a um, uh, a promotion uh, through YouTube of the Lost for Words uh, series. So you can actually have a look at that on YouTube and get excited about hopefully getting it here in Canada. So yeah, thanks for that, Jamie, for that little yeah, plug for the next it's episode. Exciting. <laughs> Can't wait. Mm. Uh, but for now, hey, thanks everyone. Thanks to you, Chris. This was thanks, a Jamie. great episode. And, you know, as always, subscribe, share our podcast, write to us at admin at literacyquebec.org. And Chris, we like to remind people they can send us a voicemail. How do they do that? Yeah, give us a call, 514-508-6805. Nice. And remember to check out our YouTube channel. There are some great mm. videos up there. You can catch Chris doing some great interviews and other videos, right? Our, yeah, we've had yeah. Peter help us out with that a lot. Yeah, exactly. We've got uh, Dr. Saida and uh, the Green Phantom on. on. So these interviews that you heard today, they'll be mm-hmm. up on our YouTube uh, video uh, in video format. So check that out. So great. Amazing. At Literacy Quebec. Yeah. Beautiful. And uh, as always, check out our Facebook, Instagram. Our handle is at Literacy Quebec. You bet. So, hey. Jamie, keep smiling, have fun and uh, ciao. Bye.